Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Real estate investing. It's this thing that's often talked about, but there's still so much mystique to it. And there is a lot to learn about this asset class. Joining me today is Abiel Balastros from Miami. He went from buying single family units and now he puts together syndicates for much larger multifamily buildings. We talk about the pros and cons of all the levels and some of the things to think about. It is a great episode to learn a little bit about real estate investing. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is Abiel Balastros, and he is a income property investor and has been doing this for the last 18 years of his life. So I'm super excited to talk to him today about real estate investing, how it works, what he looks for, all those kinds of things. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you for having me. Uh, oh. It was a nice introduction of uh, 18 years in real estate investing. Um, I appreciate it. It has been a journey and it's been very educational. I hope uh, your listeners could uh, learn some tricks of the trade that I've learned throughout, uh, throughout this 18 years. Oh, perfect. Well, as a financial planner and an investment advisor for clients, what I find interesting is that real estate inevitably comes up as potentially asset allocation um, so that we're diversifying their portfolio. So it's not just all, you know, in the markets, uh, that there's other ways that we can be building wealth and income streams. And so what would you tell a business owner? So they've got extra cash and now they're thinking about getting into the real estate game. Where do they start? How do they get going? Well, you know, it's, 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 it's such a tough question to answer because it's, it took me a very long time to figure out how to invest correctly mm. uh, and along the way making mistakes and losing money and making money. So it's one of those things that I always start with saying that you definitely have to first really educate yourself before you just go around throwing your money around and giving it to people. Um, sometimes, you know, we have our careers, our nine to fives, and we always want to always think about tapping into something in real estate and who should we tap into in real estate. Uh, and who should we give our money to or should we do it ourselves? And that's something that uh, I strongly always tell anyone who wants to get in the game. You have to first spend that money educating yourself and mm. understanding which type of asset class you want to get into because there's so many to choose from. Um, that would be my first advice on, uh, to an investor that wants to get in the game. So spend the money on the education is, one th is the first thing. Do you find that there are certain mindsets or approaches to investing that are more um, suited for real estate investing? Well, uh, I would say that when it comes to real estate investing, our, our choice of vehicle is multifamilies. It's, uh, we've invested in single family assets. We've done the short-term rental thing. We've done some, some, in my career, I've done some of the retail stuff. And what I've come to the conclusion is there's two things that people need is food and a roof over their head. 
So I always come back to multifamilies. It's always been a business that's been very good to me, to my family and to my investors. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I've had some success in single family, including I have a brokerage that sells some single family. Do, is that my vehicle of choice of investing in a single family as an investment? Uh, no, there's a lot of risk to that. Uh, in the sense, it's just one single household, one single rent. That tenant moves out of the property. You're there hanging dry with no income, uh, yeah. overhead. So that's why we like to invest in multifamily. So um, in our in the in the Canadian, when we talk about, we talk sometimes about multi-unit versus single unit. So that's when you say multifamily, it's really a multi-unit building. Um, Equivalent. That's correct. Okay. Correct. So what you're saying, or if I'm interpreting you correctly, is that the single family um, investment property is actually a little riskier or more riskier than a multifamily because you're relying on one person or one family to provide that rent. And if something happens, you lose that income flow. That is correct. Yeah. It's, it's a much riskier risk. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, if, you know, if you look back at a lot of what happened in 2008 and 2007, with the financial crash, uh, you know, everyone was using single family, not everyone, but, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of folks were using single family as an investment vehicle. The market tanked, they lost their equity. Now they're sitting on a bunch of single family homes and we all know what happened there. Yeah. Um, and, and what we're seeing now with interest rates going up, you know, we have to stay very alert to maybe something can happen to the residential market again. So it's, it's something to pay attention to. Absolutely. So when it comes to multi-unit or multi-family, what do you think is, is there a, an ideal size when you're starting out? Like, do you start out with four or a little bit more or like, where do you start? Like, cause I mean, it is a significant uh, outlay of, of cash depending on the size of the, of the units. Right. Yeah. So what I, what I found is I could give advice on the, on the path that I took. Um, yeah, my path was, yeah. Yeah. So my, you know, it, it really depends. Like you mentioned something earlier, like how educated do we have to get to invest in real estate? My education came through trying uh, different asset classes. And I started with single family, then I went to a duplex, and then I bought triplexes and fourplex, or in what you call in your country, two units, three units, and yep. four units. And I had a, about, I would say, a substantial size of portfolio of that type of asset. Bunch of duplexes, triplex, fourplex, all over South Florida. I found myself, I was making money, but I, saw, I found myself driving all over the place. They were scattered. Um, uh, my maintenance techs were running all over the place. It was costing me a lot to maintain so many units spread out through uh, a city. When, when I found that, you know, started looking at, you know, larger multifamilies, I found that having more units under one roof started to make more sense. So then I jumped into a 16 unit and I jumped into a 32 unit and the aha moment came in. I was like, okay, this is, this is starting to make more sense. I could now start affording one maintenance guy on one single location. All, everything is in one place. I don't have to drive all over the place. And then that's why I transitioned into larger apartments and now we buy hundred units and up. So my, just to advise your listeners, it's okay to start off in the duplex and the triplexes for me. It's good to learn. Yeah. what the cost is to maintain the cost is to manage those units that type of education it is like you start to grow and start to learn and it makes you braver if you want to get to a bigger uh, larger mm. apartments so it feels like number one it's less risky number two 
your operating costs in terms of personnel and things go down when you have multi-units. If I'm picking up as the top two reasons right now that you like the multifamily units. Is there a third reason that you like the multifamily? Like what else do they do for you? So an another way of looking at multifamilies is if you're an act, there's an active and a passive investor. If you're an, an active investor that wants to be involved in the day-to-day -day of managing their properties, what I just explained earlier is exactly the type of person that could start their business that way. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you want to be a passive investor, you want to invest on the property, you want to get the same benefits of investing in real estate and taking advantage of the tax benefits that you get, then it's, it's, you should look for a professional investor who does this for a living full-time. Uh, yeah. You still get to participate, but you're hands-off. You still get the ownership of the property, but you're, you're completely hands-off. You don't have to deal with the day-to-day -day management repairs and, and dealing with all that drama that comes with managing multifamilies, which there is a lot of things that go into it. Uh, and that's where you can work with a syndicator or partner up in a joint venture with someone who has experience right. managing these type of assets. What would, what would be some criteria I would want to apply if I were looking for that professional investor slash manager person? Like what, uh, I mean, what, what questions do I ask that person to vet them? If, I would definitely start with their current portfolio size just mm -hmm. to see what they're currently managing and see if the assets that they're managing and the neighborhoods and the locations fit uh, what you are interested in. Mm -hmm. Also their experience, their success story. Um, I would ask them to provide all their close sales from purchase to sale. What have they done in the past? You know, it's, it's, it's all public records. So they give you that information. You can easily verify what they bought those properties for, what they sold. And then the third one would be for them to introduce you to currently active investors that are investing with them. Um, I've been asked that question a few times and you provide them with a list of investors that are participating and working with you. Um, that's, a, that's a good way to really learn what, uh, you know, more about the business and about that investor you're gonna give money to. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, sometimes I find that when I'm looking at some work with clients that they haven't necessarily run their numbers completely. I'm talking in particular when we're talking more the single family or the double family. And I feel like they, uh, sometimes people haven't defined their ultimate goals. Is it for income stream or is it capital appreciation? How do you talk to your clients about this? Um, and what should, should there be one goal or the other? Uh, for us, the most important thing is our cash on cash return. Uh, you know, if the property is not producing cash flow, and that for us is a red flag. Now, don't get me wrong, we do buy very distressed assets. In fact, most of our portfolio and acquisitions have been distressed apartments. Um, but that, that's not for every type of investor that can stomach because there is some risk to buying properties like that. But if you're, if you're an investor and it's trying to get, you, you need to see what the cash flow of that property is. It's going to cover your mortgage. It's going to cover your overhead. It's going to cover the maintenance. Uh, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things that could happen that could go wrong where you don't want to come out of pocket and could put you in a pretty bad predicament. Um, but there's also a lot of upside. If you get a property that's cash flowing, you know, it's, uh, you know, those are hard to come around with, but they're around. Hmm. What do you see as the, or what have you been your biggest couple of lessons you've learned in this hmm. real estate career of yours? Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that one of my biggest lessons is um, not having clarity. And mm -hmm. I think that for an investor, 
any type of investor not understanding uh, exactly what they want and not asking themselves those questions uh, and really getting a complete clarity of what you exactly want. And that happens in, in any form of real estate. And for me, I had to choose, I need to stop buying smaller uh, apartments. I need to find an exact type of apartment. That was my clarity. I needed to completely get away from single family and just focus on this specific asset class. And I'd be tempted to jump around to different asset class, basically become an expert at this specific mm-hmm. asset class. Uh, so I, that's my advice on one of the things that changed my life in my investment career in real estate. Uh, you know, it's hard to be, you know, when you're trying to do everything and become the investor that does it all, you, you, you tend to not become an expert. And mm. that's, the, that's the issue with that. I, I really like that. Your business is making a profit. You're growing, but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. Don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your financial diagnostic score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. Is there a level? So if, if, a, if, if um, a business owner decides I want to get into inv- investing uh, into real estate, they find their sweet spot. Is there a point, um, and I guess this would matter whether they're passive or, or active, but is there a point where it becomes your full-time job? Like how many units do you, does that happen to mean? And have you seen people switch from, hey, I've been doing this and now I'm doing this full-time. What is the, what is the turning point that makes that happen? Well, so I could answer that question by looking at our current investment investors in our, in our portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, we have investors that, would, that are completely passive. Um, they're, they're invested into multiple properties. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we're very specific on what we're investing. So they know exactly that that's what we do. Yeah. But then there's some investors that are experienced real estate investors and they're still passive but they still want input on execution or how the money's being invested or how much capital is mm-hmm. being invested to a rehab. Um, they're more involved in that. It's, they kind of want to be involved in those type of decisions. Um, we do have some uh, investments that we do have that relationship with our investors. Uh, and some investors are also just want to get in the game and want to learn a little bit. So they're, they like to participate in some of the process. So that, that's also a very common one in apartment syndication. Investors don't want to put money into a deal, but they want to go walk the property when their capital improvements are being done. Uh, they want to be there when you're talking to the contractors to learn the business. Um, we also do those type of relationships with our investors. Uh, so it, it is a great way to start learning and eventually venturing off and doing your own thing. Oh, that's fascinating. Um what when you think about this whole world like is there do you just in your goal is your goal just to acquire more properties and keep uh building out your syndicates and on all that and your portfolio if you will i you know our 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 goal is definitely to keep growing and any business that says that they're not interested in growing but but it it, to us is really important that we analyze the market cycles uh you know where you have to be very wary of real estate market cycles and Mm. and 
growing at a certain speed and being and, and not paying attention to the detail could be very dangerous. So it's also, yes, we, we love to continue growing, which we are, uh, but also uh, we also have to be very wary of where we're at in our current state of market. One of um, a very wise man once told me he had gotten into multifamily dwellings later in his career. He had a successful business and he goes, I wish I'd known about this earlier. This is all I would have done. And one of the things he said to me that I found really, really interesting, he said, Wendy, there's always another bus that will come along. Uh, do you, does that resonate with you? And how do you apply that, I guess, patience model yeah. to yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was, I got into my real estate career two years prior to the 2008 mm. financial, 2009 financial bust. So I had a very short run of glory. And it was, <laughs> it, 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 it had two years of, uh, I was young, naive, thinking this is incredible. I can't believe I just discovered this. I just left the corporate world. I'm Super a exciting. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Everyone was an all-star then. And that scar is still around. And, and, I, and I'm, it, it's still there. Uh, it was life-changing. Um, and it's hard to ignore where we're at now. Uh, mm. it's, it's hard to see the patterns might are going to be different. Of course, there's no bust is the same, yeah. uh, but just now with the fed hikes on the interest rates, um, it seems that they want to put the brakes on inflation. Uh, it's definitely something is coming around the corner. Mm -hmm. Um, once you start seeing all the politicians and all the experts in wall street and everyone talking about a recession, um, just that type of conversation does scare money away. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's something that you definitely have to pay attention. You got to invest wisely. You have to invest. That's when I go back to like cash flow. You, you need to make sure the property is cash flowing correctly. And you need to make sure that on a waste ca worst case scenario, the market takes a 20, 30% hit. Are you still going to cover your overhead? Are you still going to be able to pay your mortgage? Yeah. You really need to under understand those numbers very well because it could cripple you. Hmm. Do you have some key indicators in your numbers that you monitor regularly? Yeah. So uh, I would strongly suggest uh, when underwriting your deals, is your, your portfolio able to take a 20, 30% hit? That's something that you know, we take in underwriting. Are, are you able to get on your apartments, you know, uh, uh, 15, 20% vacancies or, or not vacancies or just people defaulting, not paying hmm. rent? Are you able to withstand a hit like that? Uh, you know, people are going to start losing jobs. Just like, you know, it, it, you need to under, underwrite your deal or have reserves to be able to cover something like that. And that is a great question to ask your investors when you're going to invest with them. Is the deal able to withstand that type of hit? And that's something that's very, very real. You need to understand yeah. that. Yeah, and being over leverage is super high risky too, which is something that's very common. What do you think is the ideal amount to leverage? Well, it, it depends. It depends on the type of asset. Um, you know, the idea I'm on is 70, 75%. Mm -hmm. You know, if you could keep it at 70, even better on a leverage loan. Yeah. Um, you know, those 90% and 85% are very risky. How much uh, percent of your budget goes to um, maintenance and upgrades and things like that? Do you have a, a structured plan around that? Well, yeah, every, every, uh, every deal is a little bit different, but you know, I think the cardinal rule in multifamilies is if you want to just do some quick underwriting, you should always take 50% right off the income that comes in. And, uh, and that should be kind of your, your set quick underwriting 
Yeah. So you're, you know, you're making a hundred thousand dollars in income. You just chop off 50% of that. It's going to go to expenses. It's going to go to your taxes. It's going to go to, yeah. you know, reserves. And you, you got to try to get at that number. There's going to be some assets that are going to run at 60%. There's going to yeah. be properties that are going to run higher than that. But, um, you know, when you're underwriting a deal and someone brings you a deal, they're running at 30%, 40% expenses, red flag. You got to really look at that's That's too unrealistic, uh, especially on older buildings. Yeah. Is there an ideal reserve number that you're striving for inside of your, is it a per unit thing? Is it a overall portfolio thing? Like how do you decide uh, how much money? We, reserve, we try to reserve about 200 to $250 per unit. Okay, cool. I like that. That's very specific. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I still feel it feels like if you're in a syndicate and you have passive, a hybrid passive active mm -hmm. and an active, it feels like it could, there's probably not an ideal mindset that one of your, as a person who's investing, you're probably going to fall into one of those categories. So the chances right. are that you can find a professional or uh, someone who can put you into one of those categories, whichever one is perf is appropriate for you. Correct. Okay. When it comes to people who are passive, um, what is the ideal mindset of or person? Tell me what the person looks like who should only be in passive. Uh, typically, a passive investor is very career driven in their own career. Mm -hmm. They're they're in their own entrepreneurship or their own uh, whatever practice they're in and they're at it full time. Uh, um, that's one, uh, what's one uh, way of looking at passive investor. The other passive investor is, you know, it's a, a very sophisticated investor that is constantly looking for vehicles to invest their money. They're either investing, you know, in the stock market, they have a little bit of the money on their portfolio or on the REIT and yeah. they're diversifying their money. Um, so those are typically the passive investors. And then there's a passive investor, which is very um, educated in real estate and has done a lot of syndication deals themselves. And they've yes. invested in multiple multiply themselves, understand the business well that they would want to invest in certain assets that they believe are great deals. So those are the typical, you know, uh, side, uh, I would say passive investors. That's it. It's exciting to, to think of. Um, I like how you've got those segregated and thinking in your mind about that, because I think sometimes there's FOMO out there about getting into real estate and all that type of stuff and to have a, a structured plan and a way to get in and work with a professionals so you can watch and learn as Correct. they go is, is probably pretty important. Correct. What haven't I asked you that you would say, mm -hmm. everybody needs to know about this, about multi-unit, multi-family investing? Um, I would say it's, you know, if you haven't tried it before, uh, I would strongly suggest that you get in and try and, and give it a shot. It, it could be a, a great way to, for you to, to invest in real estate and lower your risk in, in, in investing in real estate. It could also be a great vehicle for your taxes. It will really help you out with, uh, with uh, getting some depreciation taxes. Uh, I would strongly suggest for listeners to educate themselves of the benefits of cost depreciation of mm -hmm. investing in real estate and how this is set up to benefit you on your gains. Um, uh, I will also make the suggestion is, you know, tap into your local investors or, or to anyone that is in the business doing apartment education and get yourself really, really well educated. And you're going to see it. It's, 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 it's besides the fact that you're not a, a passive investor and you want to become an active investor, 
it's a lot of fun. It, it is, you know, you, you're, you're buying an asset, um, you're changing a community, you're updating a property, you know, you're giving someone a roof over their head. And if you do it correctly, you know, you're, you're going to have a lot of tenants are going to be happy that, you know, you're taking care of that way. So it's possible to create multiple win scenarios is what you're saying. Correct. 100%. That's awesome. Aviel, thank you for your time today. No, thank this you. This was a wonderful uh, yeah. toe into this investment. <laughs> um, so, and if you're a listener in the U.S., how do people get a hold of you and talk to you about uh, if they wanted to work with you? All right. They can reach me at abobiesteros.com. I'm sure Wendy will drop the link. Uh, spelling my name is, is pretty tough, but um, <laughs> our, our company is SAR Apartment Capital. Um, our investments are throughout Florida, Georgia, Tallahassee, uh, uh, Tennessee, and, uh, and Ohio. So if anyone that's interested in participating in that type of investment in those states, please reach out and uh, we'll give you a walkthrough. That's awesome. Well, thank you again. Um, I think the real bottom line here, it's all about cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, when you're evaluating your deals. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.